church, go ahead and get out your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. And while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Have you ever faced opposition? Have you ever faced opposition that almost seemed like it came out of the blue? And maybe you faced such great opposition in your life that maybe you didn't even know what to do. Maybe the opposition or the trial that you faced was so intense, maybe you didn't even know if you were going to make it through. Today in Nehemiah, we're going to see opposition that comes from the outside, and it almost seems as if that opposition came from out of nowhere. But those of you who have been with us since week one, what you're going to see is that this opposition was already beginning to creep up. And even though it was creeping up, it's like God was warning them that as they lean into this kingdom agenda, that the opposition is going to come. Man, last week we saw Nehemiah introduce this multi-generational, multi-vocational, multi-regional group of men and women who came together. Look, we saw everyone participated to push forward this actual kingdom building. We saw everyone participated to actually push forward the vision. Man, the people, they made it personal. They made the vision personal. Man, they saw that the vision had purpose, and they also paid a price for the vision. Look, the vision had them, cost, it cost them their time, their talent, and their treasure as they participated in this big kingdom agenda that the Lord had for them. Man, Nehemiah led with this God-given vision, and we saw that the people were actually united under this one kingdom agenda. But even with that, even with all that unity and purpose and the cost that they paid, it didn't stop opposition from coming. Now, how many of you know that you're either in a trial, coming out of one, or you're about to go into one. And the good news that we're going to see today from this passage is that God's word doesn't leave us hanging when it comes to opposition. In fact, through God's word, it shows us that we will face opposition, but it also shows us how to prepare for opposition. Look, in the passage today, I feel like I've been waiting for several weeks since we began this series to share this particular passage with you in Nehemiah chapter 4. Because when it comes to opposition and trials and tribulations, look, the people of God don't have to be overcome by trials and tribulations. Because God always provides a way. God always makes a way for his people. And we're going to see here today that even in Nehemiah's day, God provided a way. And for us today, even in 2023, if you are in a season where you are either in a trial, man, you just came out of one, or you feel one coming on, look, this message is for you today. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, man, you're going to see that even when trials and tribulations and opposition comes into the life of the follower of Jesus, you're going to see how, man, we are taught to cling to our faith and how the Lord always makes a way for us. So are you ready to get into God's word today? All right, if you're ready, you need to shout amen. amen. All right, now shake the person sitting next to you a little bit. Make sure they're awake. Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice 
Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside him, he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Church, today I want to show you three things from this passage on how we prepare for opposition. And the first way that we prepare for opposition, I want you to write this down, okay? Don't be surprised by it. Expect it. Look, don't be surprised. When opposition comes in your life, expect it. You know, too many times when something bad happens or a trial begins or the follower of Jesus faces opposition, we are often surprised by it. Look, church, listen to me. Anytime, anytime you actually lean into God's kingdom agenda, I mean, really lean into it, you're going to face opposition. In fact, look back at verse one of chapter four. It says, when Sanballat heard that we were building, he was angry. Remember last week we talked about how it is Jesus's prayer. It is Jesus' prayer that we would be united, but it is Satan's plan that we would be divided. And here are the people actually working together under this one kingdom agenda. This building project actually unified the people in the Lord. And what happens to them? Opposition comes to bring division, to terrorize the people. Has anyone ever noticed that it's oftentimes when you decide to make an actual spiritual step, where you're actually deciding, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to submit this area of my life to him. I'm going to actually lean into his kingdom agenda. Have you ever noticed that it's during those times that opposition seems like it increases in your life? Um, at the, the last church that I worked at, we had worked for um, several months to be able to renovate this building that we we're going to move the campus into that I was leading. And as we were getting ready to finish that building project and move into this building and see what the Lord was going to do as we were taking these steps, someone went and spray painted a pentagram in the parking lot and they spray painted 666 in the parking lot. And then they wanted to apparently take it to another level. And they went and got like either a goat's head or a deer head and they hung it near the building at the church that I was leading. And I don't know if they were trying to curse us or stop us from doing God's work, but they forget that our God is so much stronger than anything they were trying to do. But as we took these spiritual steps, opposition came. Do you guys even know that when we went to plant the campus in Lynchburg, I mean in Williamsburg, maybe Lynchburg is next. When we went to plant the campus in Williamsburg, that people were out there protesting a church coming to Williamsburg. Do you know that even when this church was adopted into the coastal family, and shortly after I got here, someone actually broke in and stole all these cameras that we had got, like to watch over our children's area. And so many times like when we actually take a step into what God has called us to do, we face opposition. Church is one of the reasons why I pray for those who get baptized. And I want, you to, I want to encourage you as well to pray for those who get baptized. Because like when you go and you tell your testimony, and you take this huge spiritual step to let people know, look, I have decided to follow the Lord, opposition is going to come. Man, it's the same thing that happened with Jesus. After Jesus gets baptized at the end of Matthew chapter 3, immediately it says that the devil tempt began to tempt him. 
And so we pray for those who take these important spiritual steps because after those things happen, oftentimes we'll feel like temptation increases in our lives, opposition increases in our lives, trials will increase in our lives. And for those of us who are in Christ, if we are surprised by it, we can often find ourselves being discouraged or even um, becoming angry or maybe even walking away from the Lord because this opposition has increased in our lives. So you take a spiritual step to see God's kingdom come and his will be done. You can't expect opposition to come. In fact, I don't have this verse for you in your notes, but turn back or scroll back to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. And we see here, this is right after Nehemiah. Again, gets this vision from God that breaks his heart for the things of God. And he sees that the people are in great trouble and great shame. And Nehemiah finally takes these steps. He goes and he sees the wall and he begins to rally the people. And look as Nehemiah first takes these steps to trust in the Lord, to lean into God's kingdom agenda. Look what happens in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. It says, but when Sanballat... The Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite servant, heard this. It displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Look, you go to seek the welfare of the people of God. You take a step in obedience. I'm telling you, church, don't be surprised by it. Expect that opposition will come. In fact, the New Testament itself reminds us and even warns us so many times That when we take these spiritual steps in the Lord, that opposition is going to come. Trials are going to come. Tribulations are going to come. In fact, Jesus himself said in John 16, verse 33, he says, I've said these things to you that in me you have peace. He says, in the world you may have tribulation. No, doesn't say that. Is that verse up there? Okay. He says, in this world you possibly will have tribulation. No? I don't know if mine, my notes are wrong here. He says, in this world, you, what's the word? Does that sound like a surety church? He says, in this world, you will, it is a guarantee that you will have tribulation. But then comes the promise. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Man, at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, where Peter was writing to a church that was under immense persecution, where less and less people were coming to the church, not because they wanted to go on vacation or anything like that, was because they were actually being killed for following Jesus. Less and less people were coming to the church because they were being arrested for their faith. More and more believers that in this church that Peter was writing to, they were being persecuted for actually leaning into God's kingdom agenda. And look what Peter writes to this church under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, beloved. Now, pause right there for a moment, okay? Now, I know sometimes, especially those of you who maybe read the Bible often, like we'll read words like beloved there and we'll just kind of read it and just kind of just go right by it. But man, that word beloved there, In the original language, look, it means greatly loved. It means dearly loved. It means unconditionally loved. So even though right now, like this church that Peter was writing to was under this incredible persecution, 
Man, he reminds them that they are dearly loved, greatly loved, unconditionally loved by their heavenly father. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, he says, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Look, church, if you are in it right now, if you are in a trial right now, if you are following Jesus, if you're leaning into his kingdom agenda, his will, his ways, and if you are under trial or tribulation or facing opposition right now, look, this passage says that you are actually being blessed. Look, I never want to diminish what someone is either going through or what they've been through. But even when you're going through it, man, the Lord has not abandoned you. Like this is a reminder that he is right there with you because the spirit of God is in you and he rests upon you. And even in this suffering, he is going to be, he's going to bless you. Look, don't be surprised by it. Expect it. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I don't have this one for your notes, but 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Look, the apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And he says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters. Again, in other words, don't be surprised by this, of the affliction that we experience in Asia. For we are so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. He said, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us, it was to make us, not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Look, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Look, church, too many times when a trial comes or we're tempted or we're facing opposition, too many times we find ourselves on the defense. Look, I wanna challenge you that you will go on the offense that you wouldn't be surprised by it, but you would expect it. Look, this is something that I feel like God's been working in my heart, in my mind, like throughout this entire year. Look, it used to be the type of thing where some type of trial comes up or something unexpected happens, and immediately my initial response was to worry about it. My initial response was to talk to everyone else and their mom about it. Man, my initial response was even to look to God and be like, God, do you even know what's happening? Like, why are you letting me go through this? Like, do you not care about what's happening in the world or even in my world? But church, what if we changed our perspective? What if when the trial comes, when the opposition comes, when the tribulation comes, that we weren't surprised but instead we changed our perspective. We shifted our perspective and we expected that in that moment during the trial, again, we don't ignore the pain that we're gonna have to go through, but instead we saw that in this moment, Jesus is gonna give us some of that peace that he said. He's gonna give us this peace. He's gonna remind us that look, in this, he's already overcome. So whatever it is we're going through or we're about to go through, He is going to make a way through. What if we saw that when that trial came, it was not to make us rely more on ourselves, but even in that, 
It is designed to make us rely on God. What if when the trial came, this fiery trial, when it actually came upon you, you saw that you were still dearly loved by God? He's not abandoned you. He's not let you go. But his spirit is in you. And even in this, somehow, some way, our heavenly father is going to turn this around for good. He still wants to bless you even in the trial. Church, what if our perspective changed when a trial came that we weren't so surprised by it and we started to doubt all the things of God, doubt everything that he's done to us and said we leaned in because we were expecting it and we're still expecting God to move. Look, so the people, look, they start building and here's this sand ballot guy. He comes and he's angry at them. He's jeering at them because they sought the welfare of the people of God. Because they're following God's kingdom agenda. This opposition comes and man, they're saying, look, if this little wall that they're building, look, if a small dog comes by, like he's going to like push over their wall and all the work they're, going, they're doing is going to fall over. They're jeering at them and mocking them. But look at the people's response and Nehemiah's response in verse four. Nehemiah says, hear, oh, our God, for we are despised. He says, turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat, and Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward, and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem, and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God, and set a guard as protection against them day and night. Look, church, when we're preparing for opposition, because again, we're not gonna be surprised by it. We're gonna expect it. Number two, when you're preparing for opposition, don't sit back, fight back. Look, when, not if, when the opposition comes, don't sit back, fight back. Man, what did the people do when the opposition came? Look, they prayed. The people prayed. Listen again to verse four. Man, Nehemiah says, hear, oh, our God. Look, even in our English translation here, you can hear some of the desperation, the pleading, the leaning in that he's doing when he's talking to the Lord. He says, hear, oh, our God, for we are despised. He says, turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Remember that the people themselves, look, they were captives in the land because they had disobeyed God. But right now, at least in this moment, man, they're turning their hearts, realigning their hearts back to God's kingdom agenda. And he's saying, look, and he's saying, look, God, they're the ones who are disobeying you. God, make them the captives in the land. He says, do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Church, does that sound like a safe prayer to you? Prayer is a weapon. 
Look, this prayer echoes what God has been reminding his people for generations. Like in Deuteronomy chapter 32 or Romans 12 verse 19, where he says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I will repay. And yes, the follower of Jesus, we are to pray for God's grace and mercy for people. And we are also to pray for God's justice. We are to pray that God moves in the world in justice against the unjust. We are to pray that he performs his justice in the world. And part of fighting back when opposition comes is actually to pray. Church, don't forget that prayer is a weapon. But we see here, too, that the people also set up some protection. Look, they pray, but they also set up some protection. Look, we pray, but we set up protection where it's needed. Look, parents of young kids in this room, I want you to know that we do pray for the safety of your kids here on Sunday morning. But we also set up some protection. Uh, We did install security cameras in every room where children are because we wanted to be accountability and security. We have our security team over there every single week protecting our children. All of our volunteers um, undergo training and guidelines and background checks because we want to pray for their safety, but we also want to actually set up protection for your children and my children who are over there on Sunday mornings. And look, part of this passage is a reminder that we do expect opposition. And when it comes, we don't sit back, we fight back and we pray, but we stay in the state of readiness, ready to both act and also ready to defend. Look, this is spiritual warfare, but it's also physical protection that happens as well. But look how the story continues in verse six. Nehemiah says, so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to about half its height for the people had a mind to work. Verse 11 says, and our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. Can you hear the opposition increasing? Look, it started with, they were jeering at them, mocking them, making fun of them, saying that their work is just gonna fall over. Now they're saying, look, we're gonna do everything we can to stop this work. We're even gonna kill them because it means the work is gonna stop. And in verse 14, Nehemiah says this. He says, and I looked and I rose And I said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. And it says, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, Remember, the opposition came was trying to make them confused and and provide opposition to them, but instead God frustrated their plan. He says, we all return to the wall, each to his work. And from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. Look, the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, the work is great 
and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall from one, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Look, I'm going to give you the next two together, okay? The people didn't sit back. They fought back. Look, the people kept working, and the people grabbed some weapons. The people kept on working, and then the people grabbed some weapons. Again, here are the enemies of the people, jeering at them, taunting them, mocking them, threatening them with death, even saying, look, we're going to kill you if you keep doing this work. We're going to destroy this work that you're doing. Again, these tactics were designed to make them afraid, to make them discouraged, to make them worried, to cause them to doubt, and even to cause them to give up. Remember, church, look, the the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes, had already given them permission to go and do this work. They had full authority under the king to go and do this work, but even more than that. Man, God had given them this kingdom-building directive. Man, God himself had given them commission to go and do this work. Again, when they did, opposition came. The enemy attacked. Church, are you aware of the enemy's tactics? One of the things about Satan or even our own sinful desires is that oftentimes the strategy or the plan is still the same. It's the same tactics over and over again. Look, have people mock our faith in Jesus? Have people or the media or other outlets have us doubting and distrusting the things of God? To have us worried and afraid that God is not mighty enough to save or that things may not actually change. Man, can't you just still hear the voice of the enemy using the same tactics today to make us worried or afraid or even give up on what God said? Asking us the question, did God really say? Man, can't you just still hear him today saying things like, you don't really believe this stuff, do you? Following Jesus, just like any other religion, just another thing that people do. Look, all this stuff is really old-fashioned. Once you get with the times, it's 2023. Look, this pastor is probably just getting his messages from chat GPT. Look, it's just some sort of like encouraging message. The Bible is just a positive, sometimes encouraging thing. It's not the word of God. It's just something that somebody else can download online. Come on, it's just a little bit of pornography every once in a while. It's okay. Look, I know that problems are happening at your home right now. And that person is not your husband at work, but they're giving you the attention that you want. So it's okay to flirt with them a little bit. Can't you just hear the enemy saying in our world, look, it'll never change. It's always going to be this way. So why confess again? Why try again? Why come back to the Lord again? It's just going to be this way again. And again, when the opposition came, when the enemy mocked and tried to bring in doubts, fear, and worry, what did the people do? The people didn't sit back. They fought back. Look, they grabbed prayer as their weapon. 
Look, they set up some protection. They grabbed the tools that they had to defend off the enemy, and they kept their hearts in alignment with God's kingdom agenda. Look, if you are in Christ, man, this is the same thing that the New Testament challenges the believers to do. When opposition and trials and tribulation comes, we are not taught to sit back. We are taught to fight back. Church, do you know that you've been given some weapons that you need to pick up? In fact, we are challenged to take up the whole armor of God. Uh, Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And again, listen to what the Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, challenging the church to put on, to take on the whole armor of God. In verse 10, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Again, the same schemes he'd been using from the beginning, that he's using back in Nehemiah's day, that he's still using today. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And he says, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Church, remember, look, the truth matters today. And even in our culture today, even in our own lives today, we need to be asking ourselves the question, look, what's the lie? What's the truth? And what's the choice? Because you always have a choice. And you need to be praying and asking, look, am I believing and maybe even building my life right now on a lie? And do I need to trust the truth? Do I need to make the choice to follow the truth? He says, put on Fasten on the belt of truth. And he says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now remember, this is not our own righteousness. This is the imputed righteousness of Christ. Look, this is when you repented of your sins and you believe the gospel. And you believe that this is Jesus who is God, that he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And he bodily rose from the from the dead where God has made a way for us, like not to have our own righteousness, because come on, that is like filthy rags, but to have the righteousness of Christ. Look, this type of righteousness says that what has been done to you does not define you. Even what someone's trying to do to you right now doesn't get to, they get to, it doesn't get to define you because it is the righteousness of Christ that now defines you. Like it's taking on the full identity that comes in Christ. And he says, look, and this is shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Look, it is the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding, that guards our hearts and guards our minds when the trial comes. And in verse 16, he says, look, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Look, church, it's just a reminder that faith is acting on what is true. And even when we don't feel it, we trust what is true. But listen to this last weapon here that Paul gives the church in verse 18. He says, look, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, pause right there for a moment. Now, oftentimes, if, again, if you read the Bible, you see prayer and supplication together. 
And oftentimes, like I've kind of thought those are just kind of synonyms, um, this prayer and supplication. And prayer, really, it, it is that word that talks about how we are just to talk to our Heavenly Father at any time. And prayer is just having a conversation with God. But man, that supplication is a little bit more of the leaning in when it comes to our relationship with God and actually praying. Look, this is where we are literally pleading for something, where we are on our knees, where there's even a sense of desperation when it comes to our prayers. And again, this is what Nehemiah did. Yes, he prayed, but man, you could hear the supplication. He's saying, oh, our God, we are in despair. God, we need you. Like this prayer and supplication when we're actually praying desperately saying, God, we need you in every single moment. Church, we don't sit back, we fight back. Look, some of you right now, the enemy has been slowly jeering and mocking and producing this aggressive anger in your marriage and your relationships. Look, you've sat back, but it's time to fight back. You need to grab some weapons. Now, not a frying pan, okay? But you need to grab praying in the spirit, praying in alignment with God, leaning into his righteousness in this season. Don't sit back, fight back. Look, some of you have seen your kids walk away from the Lord, and I know you're tired. But would you fight back? Would you pray for them? Man, would you love them? Would you seek after them? Would you both pray and offer these prayers of supplication where you are desperately begging the Lord that they would return to you? Man, I would even challenge you to look over at Luke chapter 15 and the story of the prodigal son. And you would say, look, God, look, this happened in this story. God, would you do this in my child's life? Would you bring them back? God, you've done it before. Would you do it again? Would you actually pray and plead and lean into God, begging him for him to move in your life? Again, many of you have written down the names of people who are far from God and already opposition in the form of busyness has come into your life. And you started to think, well, I don't really need to share the gospel with them. Or you know what? Maybe things aren't ever going to change. I mean, I start praying again. Nothing's happened so far. Nothing's ever going to happen. But again, don't sit back, fight back. Pray. Know the gospel. Be ready to share the gospel. Church, opposition is going to come, but we will not just sit on the sidelines. We're going to go on the offense because the Lord has shown us the way. We're going to fight back. But take a moment and look back at verse 8. And a few more verses, and there's just one more thing I want to share with you today, okay? Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 8. Nehemiah says, look, and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Then verse 14, and he says, I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, he says, do not be afraid of them. He says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Church, sometimes again, when opposition comes, like, do you have the right perspective? How are you seeing God? And do you still see him as the one who is great and awesome, even when the opposition is literally at your door, even when it's been increasing? Man, Nehemiah says, the Lord is great and awesome. And then he gives him a directive. He says, fight for your brothers, man, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And it says, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan 
we all return to the wall, each to his work. Last one, church, number three. How do you prepare for opposition? Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Fight for each other. Don't be afraid. Again, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. We're not going to be surprised by it. We're going, to be, we're going to expect it. Don't be afraid, but actually fight for each other and remember the Lord. And then there's this one more passage I wanted to share with you that I skipped over. But go to verse 10 of Nehemiah chapter 4. It says, in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. And by ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Again, our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them, and kill them, and stop the work. And at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. And in verse 20, Nehemiah said, look, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Look, as our worship team comes back up to the stage, here's something that you didn't expect, but don't be surprised by it. I'm going to give you two more points, all right? You will grow weary, but remember the battle is the Lord's. Look, the battle has already been won. Look, Jesus even reminded us of this when he said, look, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Church, you may feel so tired right now, but the battle has already been won and the Lord is overcome. And even right now, even though you may not see it or feel it, the Lord is fighting for you. But also remember this, fight for each other. Look, I know you may be saying, look, Andrew, you already said that. You already said fight for each other. Okay. But I really want to challenge you. You would actually fight for each other. Look, Nehemiah would challenge the people. He said, look, when the trumpet sounds, rally to each other. Man, fight for your brothers, fight for your sisters, fight for your husbands, your wives, uh, your, your brothers, your sisters. Like, it's not just talking about family members, but man, he's literally talking about your literal brothers and sisters. And of course, we know it's in Christ. Look, we're going to sing one last song. And I just want to challenge you out there, because maybe you are in a trial right now. Maybe you're in a season of opposition, and maybe you're even feeling the weight of it. Like our prayer team is going to be down here as we sing this last song. Prayer team will ask you to stand under either one of these two TVs over here. So the prayer team will be down here, and my wife and I will be down here. And if you are in a trial right now, hey, just coming out of one, or man, you feel it building, like it increased for the people, the opposition increased for the people. And you just need your church to fight for you. And maybe even trying to think, man, I can do this on my own. I'm going to keep it quiet. But Nehemiah said, hey, look, you need to sound the trumpet so people can rally to you. And so maybe this is the day like you need to stop keeping it quiet and you need to sound the trumpet so your church can rally to you. Maybe you need to do that in your small group this week. Sound the trumpet. Guys, I'm in trouble. I need help. So the church can fight for.